welcome everybody this week to our, our online service. Let me just jump right in. Well, as a, as a church, we've been, we've been studying the letter of, of 1 John. And this letter was written by one of the, the closest disciples of Jesus. You know, the, the last time we looked at this letter of, of 1 John, we came across the well-known saying that God is love. And we looked at what this means, not just for us, but what this means um, in, in the text and what this means theologically. And we noticed three things from our text. First, that if God is love, then all love comes from him. All love has its source in him. Second, we notice that if God is love, then his people must be loving. And thirdly, we, we said that if God is love, and all love comes from him, and his people must in turn love, then he, how he loves sets the example for us. We cannot create our own definitions, but we must uh, exemplify his love. We must reflect what we see in him. You know, and we see all three of these, these things that, that we mentioned at the cross where Jesus himself, the perfect, sinless Son of God, God himself, where he died in our place and for our sins. You know, in, in many ways, our passage this week is really an extension of this discussion that we had last time. In fact, I, I split the passage into two portions because it was, it was just so important to lay the groundwork that we did before in talking about what it means that God is love before we move on to grasp what we're going to look at today in First John chapter 5. So as we, as we turn to the Word of God, would you take a moment with me to prepare your hearts to hear from, from God through His Holy Spirit, who, who both uh, inspired this Word when it was written and who will illuminate our hearts and minds as we turn to it. Would you pray with me? Make the book live to us, O Lord. Would you show us yourself within your word? Show us ourselves and show us our Savior. Pray this for Jesus' sake. Amen. So we're in 1 John. Let me read from, from chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Messiah has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his children also. Because of this, we know that we ought to love the children of God. When we love God, we also obey his commandments. Because this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And the commandments of God are not burdensome. Because everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory which has overcome the world, our faith. Amen. This is God's word to us today. So here we are, uh, rounding the corner, as it, as it were. John is, is coming into the final stretch of his letter. And he is, he is pressing home some of the truths that he has been expounding and explaining since the beginning. As John begins to transition away from his discussion on God's love, which we looked at last time, he takes one more opportunity to, to press it home. As he, as he does this transition, he combines two of the themes that we've seen in the letter so far. 
the, the love of God and our status as the children of God. And instead of moving from fellowship, the, the fellowship that we have with God to our behavior, John, John does a, a little tweak on this. He, he moves from the kind of relationship that we have with God to our behavior. Not just the relationship, but now the kind of relationship. So John, John makes two statements, and he uses these two statements to make this transition in verse 1. He says this, he says, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. You know, it's, it's not as clear in some of our English translations, but John uses the same word three times to describe three different people. And this is the word, the same word used in, in the Gospel of John in chapter 3, where Jesus talks about us being born again, or about us being regenerated. You know, to, to translate verse 1, to translate these two sentences a little differently, we could say this. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Messiah has been begotten of God. And everyone who loves the begetter loves also the one who has been begotten of him. So we, we have this word repeated three times. We are called the begotten. God is called the begetter. And, and also those others who believe in Jesus Christ, other believers, they are called begotten as well. So whoever loves God, our Father, will also love the others who have been born again from God, other Christians. And these are really two sides of the same coin. And this is why John has said that we prove our love for God when we love others. You can't have one without the other. Remember also that, that John is writing this to churches who are, are facing false teaching. You know, it's, it is very likely that these two very things are things that the false teachers denied. And John gives us two tests uh, in, in verse 1. The first is a test of belief, and the second one, a test of behavior. So this first test about our, our belief, John says that only those who believe that Jesus is the Messiah are born of God, are born again. And these false teachers that John warns the church about most likely denied this, this basic fact. And let me just say straight off the bat that, that there's a difference between a lack of knowledge and a denial of truth. What John is not saying is that every, every five-year-old who believes in Jesus, not, not every five-year-old who believes in Jesus has to have a, a working understanding of Old Testament prophecy and fulfillment and the way that Jesus fulfills the Old Testament. Because lack of knowledge is not the same as a denial of truth. There are some today who, who claim to follow Jesus, yet they deny the very things that Jesus taught, such as his, his persistent, his constant claim that he is the Messiah, that the works, the signs, and the wonders that he does, they prove his identity. And whenever Jesus, in, in the Gospel of John, there are multiple times, and I've been reading through it this week, whenever Jesus uh, makes these statements, the religious leaders of the day pick up rocks to kill him. And they, they wouldn't do this if he was just claiming to be some sort of prophet. They called him a blasphemer because he was claiming to be God himself. So th there's a difference between a lack of knowledge and a denial of truth. Jesus makes this connection himself. You know, th this connection between believing his message and accepting his identity. And the, that 
when we do this, we are called children of God. And this is why um, Jonathan read from John chapter 8 just a little bit earlier. In verses 46 and 47, he says, If I tell the truth, why do you, he's speaking to these unbelieving uh, Jewish Pharisees who were opposed to him, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God, that is whoever is born of God, hears the words of God. And the reason you do not hear them is that you are not of God. You see, the, the Pharisees were claiming to be born of Abraham and, and born of God. But Jesus says that, you know, that their behavior, the fact that they're trying to kill him, and their belief, the fact that they deny the plain fact that he's the Messiah by raising Lazarus from the dead or by healing a man born blind, they, they denied the reality of Jesus. And he says that they are not of God. You know, um, believing that Jesus is the Messiah is something we're going to look at a little more closely as we come into the season of, of Advent. You know, this this Christmas season where um, in, in the calendar year, we, we sort of look look toward Christmas. And this is a, a reflection of uh, the Jewish, Jewish expectation of their Messiah. You know, um, yeah, so this is the this is the first piece of evidence that that John gives us, you know, whether we have believed and trusted in Jesus Christ as our Messiah, whether we have trusted what Jesus says about himself, whether we have made the the confession that Martha makes in, in John's gospel. She says this, she says, yes, Lord, I have come to believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God. So this is our first piece of, of evidence that John gives us. If we are born again, we believe what Jesus says about himself. So the first test is belief. The second test is behavior. And because being born again is not just some vague spiritual experience. Jesus says in, in John chapter 3 that, that we are born from above. You know, we, we are born of God. And one question that we have to ask here in, in the beginning of chapter 5 is why John chooses to use this language of begotten of God to describe our relationship with him. When in, in chapter 3, just a, a few pages back, he uses the, the language of children of God. You see, in, in chapter 3, he uses the metaphor of adoption to talk about how we have been um, made God's children. You know, we, we were in the kingdom of darkness, and he has brought us into the kingdom of light. We were, we were in death, and now he has brought us to life. This is adoption, but now he is speaking as being uh, born or begotten of God. What I think he's doing is, is, he is he is attempting to show us the importance of family resemblance. And this is why um, this passage makes sense. And let me illustrate first what I mean by going back to um, some other places in Scripture. Sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes in Scripture, when we see this language of being born of something or being the son of something, what is being communicated is not, um, you know, lineage, you know, that, that so-and-so is my father, but actually family resemblance. Um, and this is this is a, a good example of this is Paul's friend Barnabas, whose name means son of encouragement. This doesn't mean that his father's name was encouragement, but that Barnabas was an encouraging person. So in the same way, when John talks about us being born of God, um, he, he is talking about the fact that God is our father, but he's also talking about the fact that because we are born of God, we should now share the qualities and the characteristics 
that God has. This is why we we read again earlier from the, the Gospel of John. Jesus says again to the Pharisees in John 8 that if they were truly children of God, they would believe him. If they were truly children of Abraham, they would not be doing things that Abraham never did. If they were children of God, they would believe Jesus to be the Christ. And if they were children of Abraham, this would be reflected in their behavior. You know, and this, this connection, I think, is, is worth pausing just for a second to consider closely. This teaching of Jesus that we read about in John chapter 8 is reflected here in John's letter. He says that if we believe in Jesus Christ, we are born of God. And that as those who are born again, we should bear a family resemblance. You know, when I when I lived in America, you know, I'd, I would occasionally be at events that were related to the church that my parents attended for about the first 15 years of their marriage. And every so often at one of these events, someone would walk right up to me and say, are you are you Mark DeSico's son? The family resemblance was so clear to them that they spotted it without even talking to me. You know, I've heard I've heard a lot of people in the last month or two claim to know beyond a, a shadow of a doubt exactly what Jesus would have done in our shoes. How Jesus would respond to COVID, to vaccinations, to mandates or decisions or racial justice, you name it. There there are Christians out there who hold completely opposite views and both claim that they know that Jesus would be with them. Part of the problem is that we don't see vaccinations in scripture. But what we can see is God Almighty presenting himself to Moses and declaring his eternal covenant name and character on Mount Sinai in Exodus 34. We can see God revealing his character throughout the Old Testament as he as he deals with a rebellious, ungrateful, self-centered, and yet still chosen people, Israel. I have seen it in my own life as he deals graciously with my own rebellious, ungrateful, and self-centered heart. What has been given to us as children of God is what is true of him. When God reveals his glory to Moses, he didn't just give him a visual. In fact, he hid the majority of what was visible of his glory. When Moses caught just a glimpse of the tail end of God's glory, just a fraction of a fraction of a fraction, God proclaimed his name, his character, the essence of who he is towards creation. This is how God describes himself. This is how he puts his characteristics into our language. He said this, I am the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. This is who we worship. This is the family resemblance that we are to bear regardless. I, you know, I wonder, I wonder what Kiwis think of the church lately. I wonder how they interpret our Facebook conversations or our reactions to one another. I know that there are many in the church with strong convictions, particularly particularly regarding uh, the COVID vaccination and, and mandates. And I am not trying to settle these issues here. Far from it. You know, we, have, we have all suffered enough from, from overly simplistic answers in the church. And I think it's time that, that we stop that. But 
what I want to address is our process and our posture towards those who disagree with us. If you are against the vaccine, if you're against these mandates, what could it look like in your conversations with people who disagree with you? For you as one who has been born again and has a duty to bear the family resemblance of God, to be merciful and gracious, to be slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. If you are for the vaccine, if you don't mind the, the mandates and, thinks that, and think that those who have not been vaccinated need to see things from your point of view, what does it look like for you? You who have been born again and who has the same duty to bear the family resemblance of God. In your conversations with those who think differently than you, what does it look like for you to be merciful and gracious? To be slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. In saying this, I, I do not mean to downplay this issue at all. And I, I am not here attempting to say anything about a solution. I am simply calling us as Christians, as those who have been born of God, to bear a family resemblance to him. Because this is a direct application of what John says when he calls us born of God. He says that everyone who loves the Father loves his children also. And, and how could we not? All of humanity has been made in the image of God. And this means that every human person has a right to the dignity of this position as, as God's highest creation, as, as a human being made in his image. You know, and, and bearing his image means that, that we represent God here on this earth. We do this imperfectly, but that's, but that's what it means. And when Cain killed Abel, you know, an, an example that John uses in this very letter as the perfect example of hatred, what Cain did was he, he stripped Abel of this dignity. He stripped him of the right to bear the image of God. What, what exactly Jesus would have done in our situation, I honestly cannot say. And I know many of you would like me to have an answer. Many of you would like me to have your answer. But what I do know without any shadow of a doubt, because of what scripture does tell me, is that he would strive with all his might to uphold the dignity of the other person even when they stand directly opposed to him. You know, this Jesus picks up the ear of his enemy that, that his disciple chopped off, and he heals him just, just hours before he's led to the cross. Just hours before he prays for mercy and forgiveness towards the very people who have put him up there. You know, this, is, this example, you know, this, this test of our character that, that we'd be slow to anger, and, and gracious and merciful and that we reflect God, this isn't just for COVID. This is for how we treat our partners, our, our husbands or our wives. This is how we respond to uh, difficult children. This is how we treat friends and strangers. We love them first, not once we've decided that they've earned the right to be loved because that's what God did for us. Because by doing this, we mirror our father imperfectly Yet we, we try like a, like a child trying to put each footstep in her father's as she walks behind him on the beach. We, we, we do our best to be merciful and gracious and slow to anger. 
I find this extremely difficult. I don't know if, if you do, but in, instead of being merciful, I often feel resentful and cynical. Instead of feeling gracious or, or being gracious towards others, I hold grudges. Instead of being slow to anger, I can flare up when my views are challenged, even by someone on something like YouTube who I will never meet and whose opinions will never actually affect my life or my, my family or how I do anything. In my flesh, I am so helpless. Yet John tells us in this very letter that those who believe in Jesus have passed from darkness into light. Those who put their hope in God have moved from death to life. Those who believe in Jesus Christ have been born again. I have been born again, and not born to this world, but born to the next. I have been born of God, born of light, born full of life. And the, the things that John says are passing away, remember he, he said in chapter 2 that the things of this world, the desires of the flesh, the, the desires of the eyes, the pride that comes from having possessions, these desires no longer have a hold on me, not, not because I've just decided to live differently. You know, I, I, I think that the ethical system of Christianity is, is just so beautiful and convincing that I want to live like Jesus. That's not what Jesus says. What, what John shows us is that when, when we are born again, we've been reborn with desires that reflect those of our Father. You know, again, uh, what Jonathan read that Jesus said to the Pharisees, he says, You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. You want to know, you want to know whose son you are? Are you, are you of God or of the devil? Check your desires. Check the things that, that come to your mind first thing when you wake up. John says here that, that when we love God, we obey his commands. You know, in, in one of our last services uh, together in person, we talked about the commands of God being like gravity. You know, gravity keeps us grounded and the commands of God, they keep us centered and they actually bring freedom because of this. And here is why. God's commands are an expression of his character. He does not ask of us what is not already in himself. God's commands are in line with his character. He does not ask of us what he is not in himself. This is why we can summarize the law with a statement, Be holy, for I am holy. When John says, that this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And then he goes on to say, and his commandments are not burdensome. We have to ask why. Why are God's commands? You know, whether we're, we're talking about the 613 commands in the Old Testament law, or if we, if we take those principles and we boil them down into Jesus's Sermon on the Mount, or even if we take that and we boil it down further and, and we just look at his impossible command to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourself. Why does John say that these things are not burdensome? I can tell you, and, and many of you could, could tell me that apart from Jesus Christ, these commands are impossible. The law itself provided sacrifices to make up for the fact that it was impossible to keep. Maybe you've already made the connection that I'm about to. This is, this is how John's logic works. 
if those who are born of God are born again and are now born again with desires that are contrary to this world, but in line with the character of God and the commandments of God actually flow from his character so that they are in line with his character, then only when we are born of God and given the ability to desire the things of God can we say that his commandments are not burdensome. If you believe in Jesus as the Messiah, as, as the Son of God who has come to take away your sin, as, as the one who was lifted up on the cross so that by turning to him, you might be saved. If you believe in him today, you have been born again. If you believe in him, John says, you have overcome this world. Because as, as John says earlier, this, this world and its desires are passing away, but the one who does the will of God will remain forever. John says that the victory that has overcome the world is our faith. This is another question we need to answer. And, and this is the answer. Our faith has overcome this world because it is by faith that we are born again. It is by faith that our desires are rewritten to be in line with God's character. It is by faith that we are given the desire to act in accordance with God's character, which is, which is the same thing that his law is. His law, his commandments flow from his character. And when we, are, when we are brought into the character of God, these commands are not burdensome. Our faith overcomes the world because it is by our faith that we are born again. And our faith is not a feeling. Our faith is not an empty hope, but it is a real conviction an assurance and an all-consuming trust in the work of Christ on our behalf, a work that we could not do ourselves. Because all that you have done wrong cannot separate you from Jesus Christ if you trust in him. All that you have done wrong cannot push you further away from God. What a, what a beautiful and loving Savior. But there's also another side to this that, that we don't think of as often. All that you have done well all your righteousness, your, your Bible study, your good theology, and your love toward one another, all of this fails to bring you any closer to Jesus. Just as your bad deeds cannot push you further away from him, so your good deeds cannot pull you closer to him. And this is why I cannot urge you strongly enough to look to Jesus Christ as the only way to God. If you have not trusted in him, pick up a Bible and read, read the Gospel of John. And then read this letter. And then read the Gospel of, of John again. And you will see that, that Jesus is our good shepherd. And God is a good father. Trust in Jesus Christ. Let go of the need to perform. Let go of your works, good and bad, whether you know Jesus or not. Trust in him. Be born again and, and have your desires rewritten. Have your character reshaped. Be born of God and bear his resemblance and know that he will carry you safely to the end. Trust in Jesus Christ. And even if you die, and we will all die, you who have trusted in Jesus Christ will live forever, ever. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we, we thank you. Lord, we, we thank you that if we have trusted in your Son, you have given us the right to call you Father. Lord, but you have also given us the responsibility to bear your resemblance.
Lord, as humans, we have failed to bear your image. Would you protect us as Christians from failing to bear your resemblance? Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for this, this status that we have in Jesus Christ. We thank you for the victory that we have been given at the cross. Father, I thank you for the, the fellowship that we have with the Holy Spirit who now dwells inside of those of us who have been born again. The Spirit who, who brings us to you. Father, I thank you that, that you have overcome this world and we do not have to fear we don't have to fear COVID. We don't have to fear vaccinations. Lord, you have, you have transferred us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of your beloved son. And Lord, we do not have to fear death in this world because we have been given life in the next. Lord, thank you for giving us new life, for, for uh, regenerating us, for making us born again, for making us your sons and your daughters. Father, would you help us to bear your family resemblance? Lord, help us to shine as Christians as a beacon of light in a world that is so divided. Help, help our love for one another, Lord, to be the mark that, that we love you. Help our love for one another be, um, be the mark that, that we have a unity that is deeper than our opinions, that is, that is deeper than our our political positions or our social ideas or our, our bank accounts or our skin color. Lord, we have a, a unity in you that is deeper than anything. Lord, we ask that, that as, as we live out this love, as we live out this new identity, would you help us to follow the example of Jesus Christ, to consider one another as, as more important than ourselves. Father, now we... We lift up our, our government. Lord, we ask that the same, the same grace that causes the rain to fall and the sun to shine, which bring uh, abundant crops both to the good and to the evil, to those who believe in your name and those who don't, would this grace guide our government in their decision-making? Lord, we ask that you give them wisdom and discernment. We ask that you give the same to us. Lord, help us to to lay ourselves at your feet, and may we give all that we have to you. Help us to love you and to love one another. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.